mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi there, you're listening to More Than Potential. And on this episode, I'm going to talk about religion. Um, <laughs> don't, before you, get, before you get worried, I'm not going to do nothing too crazy, but I might just crack your brain open a little bit. So for those of you who don't know, I'm definitely not a Christian. I'm like agnostic, I would say. And so all that means is that I'm doubtful that God exists. Like, I'm not really interested in trying to find proof. I'm fine with living in the ambiguity. You know, I think the absence of proof of God existing or proof of God not existing is enough to make me wary of leaning too far in either direction and just being honest about all the problems associated with religion, but then kind of trying to figure out, okay, in a world where religion is probably not the best option, what other options can we consider? Um, agnostics, we're pretty cool because I think atheists are more like hardline, whereas I feel like agnostics are like, yeah, I mean, he may or may not exist. Doesn't really matter. I'm more of a fan of this approach because I don't think it matters if God exists or not. Like, I truly think in a world like ours, if God were to exist, I think things should be different. And like, if God does actually exist and things are like this, then like, what is the point of serving him? Because life is sucky anyway, you know, like, you know what I'm saying? Like in a world where God is supposed to be the one that saves us, if the world is like this and God actually exists, then it just kind of makes me feel like there's no point in serving him. Like serving him would not make my life better. You feel me? But I'm going to get into that. So don't worry about it. I'm going to go into depth as to why I feel this, but Essentially, the only reason why I'm even bringing this up is because I saw a TikTok from China and McLean that made me laugh. Like, it genuinely made me laugh. Um, I don't know if y'all know who this is. China and McLean was like this actress. She's like a young person. Uh, she was like a child actor. She started out when she was a young kid. I think what people know her from is like this Tyler Perry movie. But she's been in other stuff since then. Like, you know, she's been on Disney Channel. She's done several things. But it seems like more recently she's on this whole Christian kick where God is calling her to make sacrifices in her career and whatever. You know what I'm saying? A lot of these Christian actors, they they basically talk about making sacrifices for their career that never really took off like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, no shade to her, but like. China and McLean is popular on TikTok, but in real life, like, I've never really been checking for her, just in general. Like, she hasn't really been in a role that I was like, ooh, wow, that's amazing. Like, no, nah, not really. Her best role to date is probably still in Daddy's Little Girls, but that's neither here nor there. Um, basically, she's been talking about this stuff, and it's basically being a Christian actress is like her whole personality now. It didn't used to be, but it's gotten real bad, so... That's the only reason why I'm bringing it up is because she made a TikTok about it. And I'll play the TikTok for you so you can hear what she said. And then I'll tell you my response. So by the time that you listen to this podcast episode, the TikTok that I made in response to her will already be out. Here's hoping it does numbers because I just want the numbers. I think this message, my message should kind of be spread out there in the world a bit more, specifically about religion, because my perspective is a little different. Um... But yeah, so I'll, I'll play it in a little bit so you guys can hear what she said. But anyway, I, I think that like celebrities who are Christians are a little bit weird. <laughs> like they're just super, what's the word I'm looking for? I think a lot of them have like a victim mentality. Like it's almost like they have to take on this mindset of literally being a victim and being persecuted and it becomes their personality. Like, so anytime anyone says anything to them or disagrees with the points they're making because they're ludicrous, it's, oh, I have the right to believe what I want to believe. Stop attacking me from my faith. I love God. I don't care about man's opinions. I only care about Jesus. I'm a Jesus freak. 
And it's like, bruh, nobody is literally, like, no one's attacking you for just saying the obvious. Like, you sound ridiculous. But yeah, I think when we talk about victim mentality, it's so weird how we never talk about, like, straight people as Christians, because they're the worst. They're probably the worst. But anyway, so the reason why I entitled this episode, God is Not Dead, is because he's not, you know? And I'm not talking about the movie God's Not Dead, where that, you know, I'm talking about that stupid Christian movie where um, they have that famous song, God's Not Dead, He's Surely Alive, you know? He's living on the inside, roaring like a lion. Not gonna lie, that song low-key slap. It low-key slap. Not even a Christian, but I was like, roaring. (laughs) Imagine not being a Christian, still gagging at these songs, bro. But anyway, um, (laughs) some of these little Christian bops, they they do be hitting. But you know that Christian movie. That movie, now that I think about it, um, I don't know if y'all saw God's Not Dead, but it was low-key racist. Like, there was, like, a girl in the movie that was, like, Muslim, and she was getting beat by her dad because she didn't want to wear a hijab. I'm like, what? Why y'all portraying Islam like this? What what do Muslims do to you? Why are we bringing them into this? You know, and that's, like, when we talk about the shadiness of Christians, Christians literally cannot exist without conflict. They got to create a conflict. And so they had to basically stereotype everybody who disagrees with Christianity. So they had to bully the Muslims. They had to bully atheists and bring them in and make it seem like an atheist was just a bitter white guy. And I'm like, really? Don't get me wrong. There are some bitter white guys that are atheists because atheists are actually, some of them can be pretty racist. But Still, I was like, yo, <laughs> y'all pulled out every stereotype in the bud. Like they be making it seem like Christians out here about to get persecuted tomorrow. They about to be sent to the guillotines, you know, or guillotines. Is it guillotines or guillotines? Guillotines. Anyway, y'all know what I mean. So, you know, I'm not referencing God's not dead. Um, I'm just saying that like, I feel like, um, but God's not dead specifically, that's not what we talk about. But I understand why that's what you thought about. I say God is alive because he's alive on the in the hearts and the minds of most Americans. You know, I think that they will get to a point where we'll see like this like rush of secularism and everybody's gonna go their own way and like they're gonna be doing whatever they wanna do. But Right now, evangelicalism is still king in the United States. We still have these puritanical values or these puritan, not puritanical. Where'd I get that from? Puritan values. And it kind of sucks, but that's where we're at. Um, I've heard someone say before that um, they believe a lot of the older, more pagan gods are going to become trendy again. And I would say that maybe for some. But I actually see more of like a new age religion coming to the forefront. I see more new age religions based on like appropriated whitewashed spirituality from Eastern religions. Like there will be some people who turn to pagan gods, but I think a lot more people are interested in pseudo spirituality and mysticism. So I'm actually seeing more of a push towards like the mixture of science and spirituality, and that's going to be a thing. So if you heard it here first, I don't think the pagan gods are going to come back because I think that's a bit more archaic. I used to believe this. I used to believe that once we displaced the Abrahamic religions, that we would somehow get these more pagan gods that used to come back. But I think the problem with that is that those pagan gods were really focused on sacrifice So like blood sacrifices. And that's just a type of lifestyle that doesn't fit in neatly with like American capitalism and American sensibilities. So there needs to be an aspect of consumerism that makes sense. So I could see more of a pseudo spirituality mixed in with science to kind of create this mystic view of the world. And it'll somehow be beneficial to capitalize on. 
And I'm already seeing it now. That's why there's this push for people to believe in the law of attraction um, because people have ascribed mysticism and occultism to explain things that are just basic income inequality, cycles of pattern and abuse and harm towards individuals. Like we're overlooking the science on human behavior to make things make sense in our minds and we give it some sort of mystical sounding, you know, name or description when it's really not that, you know, we don't need a tarot card to understand why your man is cheating and how he's going to cheat. He's been a narcissist the whole time. You know what I'm saying? So like, I think that's going to be a thing. Um, and it's already happening. I think people are, who aren't paying attention are going to be surprised at the decrease in church, um, attendance, but the decrease in church attendance has less to do necessarily with more secular mindsets among Americans and more to do with the church itself. Meaning people are going to question the usefulness of being in church when the church doesn't have a lot of relevancy in today's culture. I think maybe for the straight whites, and for the little pockets of people of color who are still very radical, I think outside of the most radical elements of people, everybody else is going to shift towards a more secular mindset and they're going to do other things. So, you know what I'm saying? Which is why a lot of American um, churches are pushing towards this more radicalist mindset. I believe more evangelicals are going to become like sex, sect, not sex as an S-E-X, but sex, meaning S-E-C-T-S, it's going to be more of them kind of being radical cults. And as someone who basically came from a cult-like church, um, it's going to become more cult-like. So if you don't really fully invest and buy into this, including everything about your lifestyle and mindset, then you will not be invited in. And you'll probably identify as something that's not quite Christian. So that's why you'll have people who believe in Jesus, but don't go to church, don't affiliate with the Christian churches in any way, shape or form, because the church has lost its cultural relevancy for most people, especially young people who are progressive minded. So why am I saying all this? What's the whole point? That's why I believe God is not dead. I believe God is not dead yet because he's still alive in the hearts and minds of people. Like perception is reality. If people perceive God to be true, and God to be real, he will be real. And he will have a very real impact on society, even if he's not real, even if the deity doesn't exist or whatever. So, you know, that being said, um, I'm going to shift gears a little bit because I kind of want to talk about a lot of the underlying beliefs that I have. Because I get this question sometimes, why I'm not a Christian and why am I agnostic? And I want to be clear about something. Although, yes, I have been a victim to more abusive tactics from the church. And I have some, quote unquote, church hurt. I don't, I didn't walk away from Christianity because of that. I think because of being hurt by abusive tactics and a cult-like church, I was able to more clearly see some of the very deep flaws with the system. It took being deeply hurt in order for me to even consider breaking away. But breaking away only happened when my mindset changed. And my mindset only changed when I looked at the idea of God philosophically. So what God meant to me, what God meant to society. And based on that internal interrogation, I decided that I never really believed in God in the first place. I never had the opportunity, the freedom to opt in. So I couldn't really be considered a Christian in the first place. Yes, I was raised fundamentalist Christian. Yes, I was in a Christian home, but I didn't choose it. Not really. I was acculturated into it. And I was never given the chance to choose even to go to church. My parents always forced me to go to church. I never chose that. It was always forced upon me. And so I feel like because of it, you know, I had to re-examine how I felt about Christianity because when I became an adult and I was able to make a choice, I realized that the choices that I was making, my parents didn't choose. And it's for a reason. 
So anyway, to be clear, although yes, I have experienced some element of harm from, you know, different stuff that happened when I was in a Christian church, that's not the reason why I left. The real reason why I left was because of things that I thought through about my experience, about the experience of, of, of collectively and what God as a concept meant to me. Okay. So to introduce this topic, let me go ahead and play you that clip from China and McLean's TikTok. And we're going to dive into this. I'm going to tell you a little secret. This building that I'm in right now built itself. You believe me? You don't? Why? Have you ever met the builder of this building? Seen the builder of this building? Do you know their name? Yet you believe someone built this building. Why? Is it because the building exists and you know buildings don't build themselves? You're right. It's logical thinking for this building to exist. Someone or something had to build it. So if a building is proof of a builder and a painting is proof of a painter and them existing is all the proof you need to know that there was a builder and a painter, why is creation not proof of a creator? Why is the existence of water, trees, and birds, humans, why is the existence of us not proof enough when we cannot create any of these things? Science is not separate from God. This is the explanation of God's creation. Scientists tell you that God is not real, but science doesn't tell us that. Okay, so hopefully that was clear. Um, but essentially, what China's saying is that, well, I'm trying not to laugh, y'all. But essentially what she's saying, and I guess she has a point, maybe six years ago, I'd have been like, yeah, girl, you didn't miss, but she missed. She actually did miss. Um, she's basically saying, well, God exists because I am looking at all the things around me that I don't understand. And I know that someone had to had to create this like the intelligent design of the universe around me is enough proof that I need that someone or some entity much smarter than me created it now okay hear me out I have a lot of responses to this my first response is well I mean first of all in my opinion the mere idea that you think we don't need proof in a religion like Christianity is very telling because uh, in Christianity, they believe if you don't accept Jesus, you go to hell, right? So like, you're basically saying that people don't need proof to believe in something that will literally send them to hell if they don't believe it. You know what I'm saying? Like, when you think about what she's actually implying by that, it's well- I believe because I have eyes. And I'm like, well, in a way, this is how I see it. Like, just like when people buy a house or they buy furniture, they're not thinking about who created it, how they created it. And most people cannot tell you anything about anything in their house. So for example, when I went to shop for a rug or a fur- furniture or whatever, I was looking for the best deal possible. I was not thinking about, Mm-mm. I wonder who created this. I wonder what sweatshop this came from. Or I wonder, you know, what kind of stain this has on the wood. I literally just assumed, I, I now how, how do I say this? I perceived its existence as final and without question. I didn't question, oh, well, I wonder why or who or when this was made. You know what I'm saying? So the idea that she's saying, like, if you if if buildings have a builder and paintings have a painting, that whole logic, I'm like, well, to be honest, most people aren't even thinking about who built it or who painted it. You know, like it's existence. It's allowed to exist and just be. Why is it as human beings? We can't just exist. Why do we have to have a reason for being that God gives you? Why does a painting, why do I need to know who painted it for it to be valid? Or who, who, who built that building to be valid? Why isn't it valid just because I perceive its existence? 
Does that make sense? Y'all see what I'm saying? And so the, to me, it's like she's basically saying all of creation needs a creator in order for it to be valid. And I'm like, no, it's valid just because it's here. I, I don't really need for there to be a creator. But, but right, since, you know, she's talking about why you don't need proof, I'm going to give you a reason why we do need proof, why it's important to have that proof. So there is this line of thought, or I guess let's call it like a formulation that I read about years ago called Epicurus's trilemma. And a trilemma is basically like when you have three different choices or options and you have to pick what is from what is unfavorable or unacceptable unacceptable. Does that make sense? There's three different options. You got to pick which one you're going to use or which one you prefer. So like either you're picking from three options that are all equally bad, or maybe it's a trilemma where two things are shitty and one of them is not, or two things are like basically the same or comparable and one is not. You know what I'm saying? Like only two of those things could be true And one of them is not true at the same time. Okay, that's what a trilemma is. So basically, Epicurus's trilemma is kind of years ago what kind of informed me and made me really think about how I perceive God and what God's nature is to mankind and what that means for me as a human being. Now, I know this is going to get a little deep, a little fake woke, but hear me out, hear me out. So Epicurus's trilemma Epicurus is like a Greek philosopher. I'm going to leave it at that. I'm not going to go into too much detail here. But the reason why this specific reasoning struck me, because the whole nature of God in the Christian, you know, mindset, and just in the Abrahamic religions in general, is that God is omnipotent, omniscient, and um, omnipresent. So meaning God is all-knowing, God is all-powerful, and God is everywhere. That's what makes him God. Well, this trilemma basically kind of makes you try and understand what that would look like in the real world. So, like, if God was all-powerful, if God was actually someone who knew everything about everyone and knew all possible outcomes, right? And on top of that, God could be everywhere, so there's no way that you could run from him. What does that really look like? So Epicurus was somebody who basically rejected through a series of like inquiry and reason, basically just rejected the idea of a God that was all-powerful, but also was good, meaning meant human beings well, And so there's three different options. Remember what I defined as a trilemma? There's three different options here. Either God is unable to, how do I describe this? If God cannot prevent evil things from happening, then he is not omnipotent. He is not all powerful. So if we see genocide happening all around the world and God doesn't stop it, If he cannot, physically cannot stop these things from happening, he is not all-powerful. If God is not willing to prevent evil, he is not all-good. Now, what does that mean? If genocides happen around the world and he won't intervene, he's not good. He does not mean human beings well. And if God is both willing and able to prevent evil meaning bad things from happening, then why does evil exist? How could God, a truly powerful and capable God that is willing and able to intervene on humans' behalf, why did he create evil and why does it continue to persist? So the way I see China M. McLean's statement is this. When she's talking about, you know, why do we need proof? Well, You cannot escape the fact that God is like all powerful and all knowing. So if if God knows that we cannot fathom in our little pea brains what the nature of his scope is, if he knows this, which he should, then he would know that he would probably have to tell human beings in a very specific way 
who he is and the nature of the Trinity, right? So he would have to, he would know exactly what he would need to say and do for humans to believe in him and willingly choose to worship him because they understand the nature of his power, right? The mere fact that God knows every single person and what we would need to hear and say to understand who he is, if he knows this and actively does not do anything to prevent us from being damned to hell, he's not a good person. Meaning, if God is not willing to prevent evil, he is not all good. And the evil in this situation is quite literally eternal damnation. Do you know how long eternal is? Eternal is infinity. That's forever. So God literally created a place that is awful. And I was told when I was younger that hell was not meant for human beings. It was meant for like people, not people. It was meant for like the the, the demons and shit. Like for the fallen angels to go because they they basically a third of the of the angels sided with Lucifer, a third. So clearly God wasn't doing his job right because ain't no way you could be all powerful and all knowing and not know when you created Lucifer what would happen. But anyway, apparently God seemingly forgot that would happen. But whatever. So he creates hell. And lets all the fallen angels and the devil go there. Kicks them out of heaven, right? I was told as part of theology that hell was not meant for human beings, allegedly. So why would God create just in general? Because even the angels, the fallen angels are all technically God's creation. So why would God create a place for his own creations to go to get tormented? And how did human beings get wrapped up in this. Why do we got to go to hell? Like it wasn't even supposed to be for us. Why are we getting damned to hell? And we're getting sentenced in a sense to hell because of things that we cannot perceive or possibly understand. You know, when we talk about, you know, in Genesis, this makes sense. Like that's why um, you know, when Adam and Eve ate the, the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and the only way this story makes sense is that quite literally, God had the keys to the universe in a fruit, in a tree, in on earth, and told Adam and Eve to leave that shit alone. So clearly, the knowledge of how this whole fucking shit works was implanted into Adam and Eve when they ate the fruit, right? Okay, so my question is, if God is all-powerful and all-knowing, why would he even do that? Like, why would you even do that? Why would you set up all of humanity to take a massive fall? Like I said, hell was not meant for human beings. So, like, why would you put humanity in, in a position that would change the entire course of of everything to prove a point like what point were you trying to prove when you even created the tree of knowledge of good and evil and then put it in the garden of eden as if eve and adam weren't gonna eat anything from it like you see why that makes no sense the story ain't adding up and i'm like no wait a second if you're going to sentence all of humanity to a bad place at least give us the information we need to make a choice you know what I'm saying? So when I think think about like why I'm not a Christian, it's because nothing makes sense. Like the whole shit don't make sense. Why is God even setting up humans to do something like that? Why? You know what I'm saying? But then second, another thing that has bothered me for quite some time is like, why is it that... Christians are given the illusion of choice. Like Christians love to say that God is just giving you the ability to choose. That's why he's asking you to believe in him 
and in Jesus Christ. And I'm like, that sounds cute until you realize if you make the wrong choice, you go to hell. Explain how it is free will to intentionally sabotage humankind by placing something like the tree of knowledge of good and evil, knowing they would be tempted and they would fail. Like, how is that free will? It sounds like manufactured free will. It's not real. They uh, Humanity has a limited set of options. And like, if you don't pick the option that we're not rigged, that we're, it, it's like we're rigged to pick the wrong option. And if we pick the wrong option, we're going to hell. If you don't pick the option you're supposed to pick, you go to heaven. And that shit's weird. Like, Think about it. God set Adam and Eve up to take a fall, to take the fall. We need to start putting the blame where it properly belongs, on God. Because literally, it's all his fault. And so even when it comes to picking between choosing to believe that like Jesus is real and God is real, understanding that like if you make the wrong choice, because you just don't have the information to make a good decision. Like God is not telling everybody who he is. So you're not even going to understand or fathom the, you're not going to fathom a concept of God enough to even believe in him. Why is it that we got to go to hell for that? Like that's not a real choice. It's like, imagine if your parents told you, that you had to obey them no matter what they told you to do. And you're like, okay, sure. I have to obey you no matter what. And then your parents tell you, okay, you're not allowed to eat cookies out of the cookie jar. And they place a cookie jar right in front of you. And they're like, okay, you cannot eat it. But you have to listen to everything we tell you to do. And you're like, okay, cool. I have to listen to everything you tell me to do. And the rule is that the cookie jar is forbidden. And then they place the cookie jar in front of you and tell you to eat it. And you're like, what? And they're like, eat it. And you're confused because you're like, wait a second. So you told me I have to do what you tell me. And you told me that the cookie jar is forbidden, but you could put the put you could, you literally put the cookie jar in front of me and then was like, you should eat it. That cognitive dissonance would drive somebody insane because they know that you're going to get mad at them no matter what you choose, whether you choose to eat the cookie or you don't. Because if you eat the cookie, you're you're listening to what they told you to do. If you don't eat the cookie, they're, you're doing exactly what they told you to do. Regardless, you're doing what you can, but you're going to piss them off either way. That is how I view Christianity and its relationship to God. You're going to lose no matter what. Think about it. God is literally setting you up to take the fall and be like, oh, well, you didn't believe in my son. You didn't believe in God. You need to perish for all eternity. And it's like, what? Why? You could have looked. Think about it. God has the power and the capability to tell every single human being that has ever existed and will exist who he is. God knows exactly what he would have to say and do in order for us to know, but he's not willing to do it, not even to save his own creation from a terrible fate that we should have never been set up to take. But here we are. And it's our fault, right? It's our fault. It's our fault if we don't make the choice that we were told basically to take. Makes no sense. So when I think about why I don't like Christianity, and why I'm not religious and why I'm not, you know, someone who believes in God like that, or I'm at least doubtful of his existence, is because literally human beings are going to need proof. They're going to need it. They're going to need proof to know anything because people, human beings, have small pea-sized brains. We look at the world around us and perceive its existence and think it's real just because it exists. Like I said at the beginning of the tick, at the beginning of the uh, the episode, right? God is real because we perceive Him to be real. Our reality is our perception. So when we look at the buildings and the paintings and the stuff around us, we look at it 
and perceive it to be real so it is. We're not questioning its existence based on its creator. So why do we as human beings have to question our own existence because of our supposed creator? We are valid no matter what. No matter what. That's why I don't feel like I need a creator to understand and to give me purpose. Like I'm valid no matter what. I perceive my existence. So I know I exist. I know I have value. I know I am in this place in this moment in time, I can touch and feel things and, and I am sentient. So therefore I exist. And most people are looking at the world through that lens. You know, what is it so wrong to suggest that the stars and the moon and the sky and the, and the water and everything that's people are in awe of, honestly, can we just not be in awe of it? Why do, we, why do we need to attribute that to a creator or to some sort of intelligent design? Why? Why, why? why do I need to have a creator? Why do we need any of that? We don't. It's real to us, so it matters. So, you know, that's just how I feel about it. Like I said, this is one of the many things that led to me saying that I was no longer a Christian because this conversation needs to be had. Why do we feel like we are invalid without a creator? Why do we need that? Why, why do we feel like, you know, we deserve a God and we have to serve one that cannot save us from the suffering and the evil he created, he or she created? If God created evil because he created everything else, he should be able and should and should be able to and technically they should be doing it, not just should be able to. It's not just about your capacity, but it's about your willingness as well. So they should be able to take us out of our suffering, right? Take us out of our misery. But God doesn't promise that. In no religion are you promised to be alleviated from suffering. So that tells me the suffering is part of the human experience. And if it is, and not even God can take it away, maybe God is not all powerful. Maybe God is not powerful enough to take away our suffering and ease the load. The only thing that's going to help you is believing in God because you need someone to blame. The existence of God gives you someone to blame, but it does not make it easier to carry the load. So if that is the case, God is not all powerful. And then I don't understand why I should worship him. You, a God that cannot help you make your life better and alleviate your suffering is not a God worth worshiping. Like why? What is the point of going through all of those emotions? Knowing that God himself cannot or won't help you. And the God that you serve is the creator of the things that you despise, the things that are tormenting you. God created those things. So what does it say that he won't stop it, even if it kills you, even if it hurts his own creation? Like I said, this is the stuff that I be thinking about sometimes. And I'm like, if this is true, then what is the point? We need proof. And, 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 and we have so much... If God gave us the ability to logically think and reason, he would have probably assumed we would need proof. And his refusal to give it to us kind of shows that he doesn't care or doesn't exist at all. Because, you know, it's better to assume he doesn't exist. Because if God does exist and he's creating the things that actively harm us and is choosing to do nothing to stop it and then won't help us and arm us with information that we need to stop it, I'm assuming that God is not all good and he's actually the antagonist. Like the antagonist to mankind could actually be God himself. So for me, it's nicer to believe that God doesn't exist and that, and that you know, people are creations of their own reality because if God really did create all of this and God is real, then God does not mean human beings well. God is actually a negative force. God is actually a, a tyrant. And maybe that's why Lucifer rebelled because Lucifer was like, wait, I was created to do this one thing for all of eternity with no water breaks. And like, I'm going to get kicked out for this. Like, I mean, I got to take Lucifer's side on this. Like when you think about it, it's like, well, hold up. 
our only our only existence as beings is to serve the creator that torments us and then we're supposed to go to heaven after being tormented well to worship like do we not get a break do we get water breaks like are, are there are there restaurants in heaven like what do we get out of this what what is what what, what is what what do we get are we just bowing down and worshiping him 24 7 because if that's the case god is literally a tyrant that wants validation and attention and that says more that god is more human-like than any other type of deity i've heard the christian god is probably very one of the most human-like gods and when i think about it think about it does that not sound like something a person would do who is drunk off their own power they just abuse and manipulate people and they get pissed off the only time they ever intervene is when they feel like they're not getting the worship and the praise they deserve allows the suffering of the other people because it doesn't bother them directly sounds a lot like what a human being would do but then again we are made in the image of god so perhaps god is just as petty as jealous as selfish and as cruel as human beings are to each other Maybe that's what that scripture actually means. That God has all these human-like characteristics because he's no better than us, which means that God is not all good. He may be all powerful. He may be all knowing, but he's not all good. He doesn't mean humanity well. And if that's the case, we shouldn't support. We should actually rebel. And if I'm really going to break y'all's brains a little bit, maybe that's why every single time we see all of humankind collectively rebelling against God, he wipes them off the planet. Right? Gotta remember the Tower of Babel in Genesis. A bunch of folks decided that God could be challenged. Maybe they were having these sorts of conversations among themselves. Maybe they were thinking, hmm, God may not be real. Or if he is, he's a terrible person. We need to build a tower so tall that literally we can talk to God up in heaven and take over this shit. And then God makes sure that they can't communicate with each other. And that's how the spread of languages starts, right? That's what's in Genesis, that is. That's the, that's, the, that's the story. That's the official story. But that's not the only time. Remember, the first big rebellion was in heaven itself. When Lucifer was so compelling with his argument, and he clearly had a point for a third of the fallen angels to support a third of the fallen angels all decided to say fuck god we moving on we live we move and so they all get kicked out right this is a lot about the nature of god the fact that over a, like literally a third of all of his creations said screw this guy he's fucked up and dip that says a lot like we don't even question how crazy that sounds like god is so perfect he couldn't create perfect creations though god is perfect but he couldn't create perfect submissive creations that would do whatever he wants and so even in heaven a third of them left what makes you think that when you go to heaven because you did all the right things as a christian that you won't decide that being in heaven is kind of sucky i can i be honest do we not do does no one ever think about this like if a third of the fallen angels didn't like being in heaven what makes you think you'll like it and they were there for an eternity so maybe you are gonna go to heaven and realize your knees gonna be hurting from bending over and bowing to god all the time you don't get a water break you don't get you know part-time off so like you know what i'm saying like what if you don't like it you get kicked out like what what, what happens I don't know. Like I said, these are just things I think about sometimes. Like God was really out here squashing multiple rebellions. There's been multiple times where even like, I don't know if y'all really be reading, reading Genesis, but like even in Genesis, there's a part where it talks about that the sons of Adam were getting with the, the daughters of men, which all that really means is the fallen angels were fucking people on earth. And they were having weird genetic breedings of different types of animals and people because everybody was fucking everybody. And it was just a mess. And so that was a clear rebellion against the status quo that God was trying to ordain or establish on earth. 
So like when we look about, like, even just looking at, at this at, from the from the biblical perspective, this shit is so strange. It's so strange. Like what does it say that so many times people have rebelled against God's authority because it don't make fucking sense. None of it makes sense. So if God were to be real, either he didn't know that that shit was going to happen and decided to create it anyway. Like he created it because he didn't know or two, he knew it was going to happen and created all this stuff, including the concept of evil, just to have some shit to do, which means that the suffering of his own creations is not important. It's not paramount. And honestly, despite the fact that all of it is unnecessary, he will still allow it to happen because he's bored. He's been around for ever and he needs something to do. So either God is all powerful and can stop it, but decides he won't because he needs entertainment or he is not all powerful and all knowing. And when he does something, he doesn't know the full consequences until after he does it, which makes God more like a human being. There's a lot of different ways you can go with this, but I think that my critique is very fair. I think that Lucifer rebelled and we see all these rebellions because God is not a consistent leader and he's not even a good narrator. He's not a reliable narrator. So half the time the Bible is written, but I'm like, if this is divine inspired word of God, this is kind of trash because it shows that there's not a reliable narrator. Like there's like, there's never a point where I feel like I'm getting the full story. I'm always getting like a sprinkle of the truth, which with a bunch of stuff that sounds more like God wrote it as propaganda. But anyway, I hope that this kind of informs you as to why I feel how I feel and how I see the Bible. Because how I see the Bible is more of an explanation for why Christianity is so fucked up. Because people can't understand what they're actually reading, what they actually believe. Like no one's interrogating thoughtfully why they believe this stuff. And I get it. You know, you're raised in a culture and a society that tells you, you have the right to believe things without question just because you can. That's it. You have the right to believe it just because you can. You don't need evidence, right? And so what that means is people can vote. They can discriminate. They can harm others because of an irrational held belief that they have. And it causes so much damage to society and to people. Um, but we're not allowed to call it out. Because that's shaming people for their choices. But like, if we're being honest, there's so much damage being done by this stuff. We need to call out the logical fallacies because especially when celebrities are spouting out stuff that's just not very smart, it kind of feels like people are just accepting what they're told, which is the dominant narrative. And if we're ever going to change anything about the society in a good way, like progressive direction where everyone has the right to believe what they want, but you don't have the right to limit the freedoms of others. We have to challenge this stuff because that's the, the discourse that we, that, you know, that we're using to challenge is how we get people to free their minds. But that's just me. You know, like I said, this is just me. This is just my opinion. This is what I think. Um, I don't think you're a bad person. I'm gonna wrap this up by saying this. I don't think you're a bad person if you're a Christian. I don't think you're a bad person if you're Muslim or if you're Jewish. I don't. I am not against necessarily people having beliefs. I'm against religion, the organized institutional structure of religion. Why? Because religion is the problem. Religion offers people several things. It, in order for you to get the stability and security that you're looking for, it's going to give you community, right? It'll give you security, a sense of belonging, structure, and the feeling that you're a good person. Because that means everything. To people, They everybody wants to feel like they're really a good person and that they matter. And so long as you have a narrative... And like a, a, a one, two, three step on how to be a good person and get rewarded to go to heaven, then everything's great. But here's what you have to do in exchange. You have to blindly accept the narrative. You don't get to question it. That is what you give up. You give up your freedom to criticize. You give your freedom up your freedom to think 
and to judge and to perceive things in a different way. Because you basically have to take on the full mindset and the full attributes of the organization for you to call yourself as one of them. You don't get to call yourself as a Christian without taking on all of the attributes and all of the things that Christians believe. You know what I'm saying? Like people literally read the Bible as a template to understand exactly all the stuff they need to do in order to go to heaven and be seen as a good person. To criticize that, to to think differently, to hold people accountable, that is antithetical to the organization of religion. You want the community, right? And you want to call yourself a Christian, right? You got to fall in line. If you don't fall in line, they're coming for you. That's why I don't like organized religion for that reason. But if you believe this stuff and you have your own personal beliefs and your own personal journey and experiences, then that is not my issue. Because I believe spirituality is a spiritual, personal experience that no one else should be able to speak on because it's not them going through it. But organized religion is something different. It is literally built on the exclusion of others. In order to be a Christian, you have to differentiate yourself from the world, from the Gentiles, from the people who were sinning. It's built on exclusion, which means that there will always be conflict. That's why Christians cause so much of it. So my problem, like I said, is not you if you have a belief system. My problem is the organized religion that supports the exclusion, the marginalization, the discrimination of people based on flawed logic that don't make sense in any context. So I hope this was a good episode. I hope that this explained some things and clarified a few things. Um, I just wanted to clear the air on this issue and stay tuned because you know, the next episode you hear from me is going to be a banger. It's going to be even better than this one. I'm bringing on a special guest of mine to talk about a really fun subject. So stay tuned for that. But anyway, if you liked this episode, be sure to definitely share this episode, review it on Apple Podcasts. That would be nice. That's a good way to support me. Um, also make sure to interact with my content. You can follow me on Instagram or on Twitter. You can also follow me on TikTok where I talk about all of these subjects in detail and kind of socialize with folks. So don't be a stranger. Don't feel don't feel bad for saying hi. Um, and I will see you guys in the next episode. Bye.